Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 399. Royal Caribbean recently announced it'll be coming back to the West Coast, offering cruises out of L.A. in the summer of 2022. And if you're like me, you just realize I have no idea about what there is to do out there, what the ports are like, or anything else about West Coast cruises today. I'm bringing on a friend to talk about cruises out of the West Coast, down in the Mexican Riviera. Here we go. One of the, an emphasis on one, of the big news that came out of Royal Caribbean last week was the big news, big reveal, that Royal Caribbean is finally going to be returning to the West Coast, offering cruises out of Los Angeles, and uh, after a 10-year absence, there are a lot of people west of Galveston that are super excited for this news, chief among them, by far, my very good friend Sherry from Cruise Tips TV. Sherry, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you so much, Matt. Yes, we were jumping up and down excited when we heard this news. It's time. They needed to get back over here. Absolutely. You know, what's what's interesting is this is like, when will Royal Caribbean resume cruises from the West Coast is like one of those like eternal questions. I feel like we've always answered for like years and years and years. It was like, you know, uh, the, the unanswerable, but like people would always have like questions and speculation on. But now we finally have an answer on it. Yeah, it's really cool. And I know that there was... There was a lot of uh, there were a lot of positive signs because people were continually seeing that they were building port infrastructure for Royal Caribbean. So we knew something was eventually going to come. We just didn't know when or which ship. Yeah, there was those rumors that came out. I'm sure you remember them, Sherry, when like Voyager the Seas was on the schedule for Port of Los Angeles. God bless the people of Port of Los Angeles for posting everything that comes across their desk on their website. And uh, they had posted that, it, you know, it looked like maybe Voyager was going to go there. That obviously didn't turn out in anything, no, in no part thanks to the, uh, you know, the pandemic. Um, but then this came out, Navigator the Seas, and we're like, all right, is this a here we go again? But no lo and behold, Navigator of the Sea is going to be offering a series of cruises, and we're going to talk today about the ports that she'll be visiting, but I, I just wanted to get your sense about this, the itineraries. We don't have the full list of them yet, but we do know they'll be varying in length, which I actually like. It's not just three and four nighters. It's not just seven nighters. It's a good mix of both. Right. Yeah, I saw that they have, I believe they have three, four, and five regularly on the agenda, and then throwing in some winter seven night sailings that go down to the Mexican Riviera. Is that what you saw too? Yep, absolutely. And, and I wanted to get your, your thoughts on that, Sherry. You know a lot of the West Coast cruises better than I do, and especially with other cruise lines like Princess and Carnival. How similar or dissimilar is this to what other cruise lines are doing out of LA? Great question. So it's similar to what a lot of cruise lines are doing. An example would be Disney Wonder out of San Diego is running some similar itineraries to this. And also Carnival Radiance will be doing the same starting up in November. Now you'll recall though, that during the pandemic that Carnival scrapped imagination and inspiration. So there's kind of an opening in the market for this where inspiration and imagination would do these weekend runs, right? They would do two to four night runs to Catalina and Ensenada. And even though Carnival Radiance is replacing those for Carnival, I think that Royal Caribbean is doing the right thing by sliding into the market right now. Um, but there are quite a few lines that do only seven night cruises or mostly seven night and five night uh, cruises to the Mexican Riviera and Cabo. Um, but a few who are doing these shorter runs like this. So I think it's a, it's a great time. Absolutely. And I didn't even consider about the carnival thing. I, you know, one has to wonder, and we'll probably never get the answer to this anytime soon, but, you know, I wonder if 
Carnival's plans to scrap those ships did, like you say, open up the the slot for Royal Caribbean, or were these plans independent of that? And that's just you know a coincidence more than anything. When you mentioned it, it kind of got me thinking. Hmm, I wonder if that was mm-hmm. like you know someone at Royal was like, hey, there's an opening now, and uh, you know the time is ripe. Who knows what the impetus was? But just glad to see that Royal Caribbean uh, back on the West Coast. I'm looking forward to going. I've never done the Mexican Riviera itinerary, and now we finally have an opportunity to do so. But I really have. Everything I know about the about Western Mexico, by the way, I learned in the Mexico ride in Epcot. There's some scenes from like the 70s of people cliff jumping. And so I assume every port in Mexico is like that. Oh, my gosh. And that must be Mazatlan where they're doing the cliff, the diving, the cliff divers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. So there's a number of ports that uh, Royal Caribbean will be visiting uh, on Navigator of the Seas. And, I, and again, I brought Sherry on here, not because Sherry's amazing not because sherry is awesome not because she knows like everything about cruises and is my hero but because she has an intense knowledge of all things west coast she knows these ports like the back of her hand and so sherry i am leaning on you to help me and all our listeners out get a better handle and understanding of what to expect in each of these ports no pressure matt no pressure (laughs) yikes so let's uh (laughs) let's start out i guess we'll start with catalina that's the closest right that's still part of the united states it sure is. Yeah. Catalina is adorable. It's a tiny little island, which is 22 miles off the coast of Los Angeles, or technically it's actually off the coast of Long Beach, if you were to draw more of a straight line. And it is absolutely adorable. Even though it's so close to the Los Angeles area, it feels a world away. And it's about 22 miles, I'd say about 22 miles long and about eight miles across at its greatest width. But really, it's quite narrow in certain areas. And there's only two, basically two little towns out there. There's two harbors in Avalon. Avalon is where you dock on the cruise ship and where most of the people live. There's very few cars. Cars really aren't permitted unless you have a special reason to drive a car. So people get around by golf cart. Hmm. And you can, when you're out there visiting by cruise ship, you can rent a golf cart for the day and take a guided tour. They give you a map. They tell you where to go. You follow the signs. You're driving your own cart. And it is a ton of fun. So yeah, Catalina is adorable. I think maybe maybe four to 5,000 people live out there. And the water is just this incredible color. It's you know, it's it's a world away from Los Angeles. And the, the scuba diving and the snorkeling out there is just unreal. Tons of fun. You're going to love it. Interesting. That, that's really cool to hear. It kind of reminded me, your description of it reminded me a little bit of Nantucket um, off of Boston to some extent. But um, obviously, it sounds really cool. I've always heard, you know, people who live in, in Southern California or California in general kind of go to Catalina, you know, on their own because there are ferries that, that can take you there. Right. And you can kind of go there for like a, right. a day trip kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, there's quick ferries that go out, express ferries where you can just go for the day if you'd like to. And it's a very common thing for people who live in the Orange County or LA areas to go and do that. And you can even get a hotel and stay the night. But by visiting on a cruise ship, you're actually saving quite a bit of money because the transportation out there isn't cheap. And staying in a hotel certainly isn't cheap either. So you're basically getting a free ride to Catalina. Nice. So is Catalina a beach day? City day, history day, how would you kind of characterize it? You could make it a beach day, although the beaches tend to be quite rocky, but it is lovely. There's a small beach right when you get off the ship that you can kind of hang out on. There's also beaches where you can go pay and sit and um, drink and eat and things like that if you would like to. But for most people, it's a walk around or get a golf cart kind of a day because the city is so stinking cute. You really don't need to plan much. 
there's a lot you can do. You could go zip lining. You could take a tour of the interior. There's Buffalo out there. Um, there's a lot of different ways to see the Island, but you don't have to feel pressured to spend a lot of money. My recommendation is just get off the ship, walk into the town and check it out. You know, go find some retail, grab some lunch at one of the waterfront locations. And if you're feeling really super adventurous, if the golf cart sounds boring to you, you can rent a boat and you can drive your own little boat around for a few hours, which is what we did the last time we were there. And it was just the best. You can even jump and take a swim in the water if it's not too cold in the winter months. If it's summer, you can get right in the water. So it's beautiful. Awesome. Sounds great. Let's move over to, I think the next closest part, which is Ensenada. Am I right about that? Yeah, definitely. Ensenada is, you know, it's one of those port stops that is not everyone's favorite necessarily. (laughs) Some people love it, but most people are like, oh, you know, it's Ensenada. And it's about 78 miles south of San Diego, kind of on that Baja California peninsula. So the weather there is actually pretty similar to Southern California. You're not getting into um, the Baja coast type of weather yet. So when you're packing for this cruise, you want to be thinking about the fact that you're not in balmy tropical <laughs> Mexico just yet. Um, but it's a fun place. It's um, it's a very busy port. And what most people do there is they either go downtown and go to the bars or they take an excursion to either the wine country with where there's absolutely wonderful wine tasting, interestingly enough, or they go to the blowhole, which is called La Bufadora. And that is fun. You take a bus. It takes about an hour to get out there by bus. It is extremely inexpensive to do excursions there. I think that my son and I paid something like $25 to $30 per person to take the fully guided bus tour. And this was through the cruise line out to the blowhole. So that's a fun thing to do. Just know that when you get to La Bufador, you're going to have to walk through a shopping area and the vendors are extremely aggressive. They'll be walking up to you offering you drinks, trying to get you to come into their restaurant, trying to get you to come into their animal petting area, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot going on there, but some people just stay on the ship for Ensenada and they look at it as a time to just jump on the blaster water slide with fewer people. So I'm throwing that out there as a West Coast experienced cruiser. You could use it as another sea day and no one's going to be mad. Yeah. It sounds like the Nassau of uh, the West Coast, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But I would say that the next couple ports, if you go on longer sailings, when you get to visit some of these other ports, are the more interesting of the Mexican ports. Uh, the, let's start off. Where, where do you want to start? We've got Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, sure. which I've been mispronouncing up until recorded this podcast, and Cabo San Lucas. <laughs> let's start with Cabo, and we'll keep kind of going on the southward, southbound traje- trajectory that you're already on. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cabo's awesome. Cabo is like desert meets the sea vibes. It's typically very warm and dry there. So think of like Las Vegas or or Arizona with an ocean, Hmm. which is really nice because if you're looking to kind of get away from a, a chilly winter, this is the way to go. It's sunny almost year round there. So you're going to have more sunny days in Cabo than you are anywhere. It's also very Americanized. So in a way that's, you know, you'll feel very safe when you're there, but you'll also feel like, okay, this is really super touristy. And it feels kind of like an extension of the U S in some ways. 
Um, one of the things that people do out there for fun is they go out to the arches. You know, we've all seen those quintessential Cabo San Lucas arches, right? Yep. And you can take a glass bottom boat out there. Those are widely available. That's called the uh, El Arco. And it's kind of this really distinctive rock formation. It's a really fun thing to do if it's your first time there, but it's also kind of a been there, done that. So if you've already done that, you can do so much in Cabo from zip lining to food tours, to taking a water taxi over to Medano beach, which is spelled M E D A N O. Most people who have been to Cabo once or twice before, that's what they'll do. They'll do beach day. Uh, Matt, they'll go over to Madonna Beach, very family friendly. And what you do is you just pick a restaurant to hang out for the day. And those restaurants, which are literally on the sand, will maybe ask you to spend a little bit of money there drinking and eating, but it's so fun. The food is so good. There's lively entertainment. And unlike a lot of different areas on the beach in Cabo, on Madonna Beach, in that particular area, you can walk right into the water most of the time. But there's, if you move just a little bit farther up the coast, the water becomes extremely dangerous in Cabo and you cannot swim there. So if you want a beach day and a swim day, you have two choices. You either go to Madonna Beach by water taxi or land taxi, or you take the water taxis that take you out to the arches can also drop you off at a place called Lover's Beach. And that is, yeah, it's cute. It's like, it's it's highly trafficked by boats coming in and out, dropping people off all day. And there's absolutely no shade and no facilities. So there's no restrooms. There's nothing there except for Lover's Beach on one side and Divorce Beach on the other side. So what you're doing is you're straddling the Sea of Cortez in the Pacific Ocean. So when you walk through the corridor, you're over on Divorce Beach, where the waves are high, unswimmable, and extremely hazardous. You cannot swim there. And then just around the just around the bend is um, Lover's Beach, which is a great thing to do. Just no amenities. Like like so Robinson Cabo for you. Like Robinson Crusoe is as primitive yeah. as can be. Yes, as primitive <laughs> as can be. As primitive as can be with tourist boats dropping people off every yeah. five minutes. But nice. Um, take shade and lots of sunscreen if you're doing that. Water to drink, food. Um, but Cabo around the um, the uh, the little town there, the the marina, and mm-hmm. you can eat and drink and just enjoy and stay very close to the cruise ship. And some people like to do that because it gets very hot in Cabo, and you want to be maybe closer to the ship. Makes sense. All right, let's move on to Mazatlan, not to be confused with Mazatlan, which is what I called it, which sounds like the name of a Passover theme park. But uh, Mazatlan, what's there to do uh, here? Mazatlan is is interesting because it's kind of an in-between port. So it's Hmm. literally physically between um, Puerto Vallarta and Cabo San Lucas. And the the weather and the look is actually somewhere between Cabo San Lucas and Puerto Vallarta as well. So this is a little port city in the state of Sinaloa. And a lot of people, when they go to Mazatlan, will go and they'll eat shrimp. There is an abundant amount of delicious shrimp there. You can also go to Stone Island or Deer Island for the day, which is fun and very inexpensive. Uh, you can also take a city tour and go watch those cliff divers that you you always saw on TV, like in the seventies <laughs> and things like that. Um, with Mexican Riviera cruises, this is one where some people will stay on the ship occasionally. Um, maybe a little bit less exciting at times than Puerto Vallarta and Cabo San Lucas, but. 
Another thing to do, which I think you would probably enjoy with the family, Matt, is to do a day pass at a hotel. There's lots of different options for that. And that's a good way to spend some time because even though the beaches are expansive and kind of cool, they're not the prettiest beaches. So they're not going to rival Cabo and Vallarta. So this to me is a good day to do a day pass. Uh, you had me a day pass. I love those things. You never have to twist right? my arm there. It's so easy with, with the families. So that's good to know for that one. And uh, Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta is so cool. It gets much more tropical when you get down to Puerto Vallarta and the weather is totally different than what you were experiencing in Cabo. So in Cabo, you feel like you're in Palm Springs or Vegas, right? You've got this dry heat and then you get down to Puerto Vallarta and you pull in and you see these, this lush vegetation in these hills kind of coming down to the sea. And it's a totally different vibe. It's in a different state. It's in Jalisco. And this is where it becomes hard to make a decision of what to do for the day because there is so much you can do. You can take a cab into the town and walk the Malacone, which is kind of like a boardwalk area that can keep you all day, busy all day with eating and drinking and even going to the beach. Or there's a lot of high adventure stuff that you can do in Vallarta. You can take, and this again can be done right through your cruise line. You can take a Zodiac and head out to some of the more southernmost beaches, which are completely inaccessible by car and very remote. So you're going to get those kind of isolated vibes. They're probably going to grill food for you out um, in the open. And it is just a wonderful experience. A lot of people, when they go to Vallarta, they enjoy the excursion called Las Coletas, which is available through pretty much every major cruise line. I'm sure Royal Caribbean will offer it. It is the coolest day. They take you to one of these remote beaches and you have all of these options, depending on what you want to do. You can chill on the beach and swim all day. You can swim with sea lions. You can go to the adventure side of the area. It's not an island. It's just a coastal area. And you can zip line and do slides. You can even stand on these posts um, and hop from post to post with a, with a pulley above you. Um, they have wild animals that they'll bring out like giant snakes, beautiful tropical birds. When we were there, they actually walked flamingos down onto the beach, which was great. Or you can literally sit and eat and drink all day on the beach and do nothing and swim. So that's a really fun and popular excursion that I recommend. You can also go zip lining there. Um, you can take food tours. It's just gorgeous and super tropical. And usually people fall in love with Puerto Vallarta and want to go back again and maybe spend some time on land there. Ooh, I mean, these places sound amazing. I love Cozumel on the East Coast. And so uh, mm -hmm. being having up to you know three or four uh, different stops in Mexico sounds amazing. And I love that each one is not just a carbon copy. They're not just, you know, beach day, beach day, beach day, beach day. There's little different right. things in there and, and, the, and the whether it's the uh, temperatures or the um, landscape. It sounds pr amazing. So I'm hoping I'm going to be able to get out there. Um, you, you never know. By the way, these new um, these new Navigator cruises out of L.A., uh, these go beginning in June 2022, and they go on sale the week of March 29th. So if you're listening to the episode when this comes out, this will be coming out next week to be able to book. So I've got a couple of questions for you, Sherry. Um, kind of, I've been jotting you down bet. some questions about this. This is really good information. Number one, you mentioned something about Ensenada, which which piqued my curiosity. You know, I assumed that this is like any Caribbean cruise. You're packing shorts and t-shirts the entire time. But you mentioned in, I think, either Catalina or Ensenada, 
that the temperatures can be a little, not chilly, it's still Southern California or, you know, Northern Mexico, however you want to look at it. But, um, you know, should we be, is it not just hot, hot, hot every single day? Good question. So what you want to do is when you're thinking about your visit to Ensenada, you need to think about the fact that you're almost visiting California. So you would want to, if it was winter time, you'd want to treat it as if you were visiting San Diego or Los Angeles. So temperatures could be about in the winter months, it could be wet and somewhere between 50 and 75 degrees easily. Now on a 75 degree day, you're going to be wearing those shorts and be fine, but you don't know when you're going to have a 50 day, 50 degree day and need to pack a jacket and some jeans. So you got to, got to be prepared, but regardless of the time of year, the sea days can be cool. So year round, pack a jacket and jeans. This is not going to feel ever, even in August, you could have very cool nights and you need to have something with you. But um, in the summer months, if you're cruising between, I would say July and September, those three months are going to feel pretty warm the entire time, everywhere you go on these cruises, but never leave without jeans and at least a hoodie or uh, a light jacket. Good stuff there. Now, the reason why, well, one of the many reasons why Royal Caribbean stopped cruising out of the West Coast was some violence in Western Mexico. And you've obviously cruised since then uh, many times <laughs> to to Western Mexico. What would be your response to someone who is concerned? Is, is that still a concern? Is there, uh, is, it, is it not at all? Or is it just being a, a, a vigilant tourist like anywhere you go? What, what's your thoughts on the safety factor of visiting some of these ports? Yeah, definitely. Well, these three main areas, Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta are very much coastal tourist areas. There there have been incidents of violence. Mazatlan was a bit of a hotbed of activity for a while there, but they seem to have gotten that under control. So when I talk to people about this, what I usually recommend is if it concerns you, stick with cruise line sponsored excursions, right? Just stick with your cruise line and you'll be safe. I've never known anyone to have an issue in any of these areas. In fact, the funny thing is when I was growing up and visiting um, Puerto Vallarta um, as a child on land vacations, we would have incidents where people would have their cameras stolen off of beaches and things like that back in the day. That's the worst thing I've ever heard of happening. And I haven't heard anything since. So you will be safe. You will be fine. They are, they depend, all three of these cities depend on tourism and they're doing their very best to police it. But you don't want to, like you said, be a vigilant tourist. Be careful how far you venture out. Never get into a car with a stranger, which believe it or not, people actually fall for that. They think that they may be getting into a cab or something and not, but it's really, really rare. Um, and I think that there's the reputation is, is very much overblown as being dangerous. Good to know. Good to know. That reminds me of a um, side story real quick about getting in a car with a stranger. Uh, on my last, no, one of my last cruises, we were in Bonaire and I had rented a, um, a, a not a, a, a golf cart, right? Our ATV. That's what it was, right? I rented an ATV there. And I prearranged it, booked it ahead of time, and I got off the ship, and some guy was holding a, my my name on a sign to you know pick up my thing. All right, cool. So he brings us around. He's like, yeah, hop in my car, and we'll go to the place. And we get in the car. As I'm getting in the car, I'm like, oh, my God, I just did what you're not supposed to do. Get in a car with a stranger who's holding a cardboard sign with my name on it. Like, oh, my god! You know what I but mean? But how did he know your name? How did he know your name? How well, I had booked it through this guy, but I realized oh. at that point... I, I really don't know nothing about this guy. I just got in a car with a complete stranger and like everything's yeah. fine. But 
Sherry, you brought up a really good point. Don't do that. <laughs> Research. Make sure you're a thousand percent sure on what's happening and all that good stuff. But anyway, it exactly. ended up being okay. But uh, anyway, and uh, the other last question I had for you, Sherry, was uh, a lot of people obviously coming in uh, from all places in the country, I'm sure. So any favorite places to stay near LA? I mean, Los Angeles is a massive area. I mean, do you like staying? If you were to, would you recommend, you know, near Long Beach? Anaheim, mm-hmm. downtown, I don't know why, but you know, like what would be your recommendation sure. for where to stay? Yeah, it depends on how adventuresome you are. So if you are going to be there for a few days and you have some time, I actually would recommend staying in Long Beach for a few days. That's a lot of fun. There's a lot of hotels over there that are great. The Hotel Maya is my personal favorite. If the Queen Mary opens up again, that is going to be an awesome thing to do for a few days, but that's actually closer to the Long Beach Cruise Terminal where Carnival is housed Hmm. than the Los Angeles World Cruise Center. So they're about, it's about, I would say seven, eight miles, 10, 15 minute taxi drive, but it's worth exploring Long Beach. Um, I want to tell you, let's see, did you want a hotel recommendation for San Pedro as well? Sure. Yeah. Or were you just looking for more general let me, I want to find the name. I think that there's a couple of them over there. The one that I've stayed at is the Crown Plaza Los Angeles Harbor Hotel. That's very, very close to the cruise terminal. And they do have shuttles available. And the prices are fantastic, typically. So you'll feel very comfortable there as a cruise passenger. And you could either wait for a shuttle or you could take a cab. It's actually pretty close. I wouldn't walk it if you have a lot of luggage, but if you're really super athletic, you could walk from the Crown Plaza at Los Angeles Harbor Hotel over there. Another thing people could do too is they could really extend their stay, especially since a lot of these are really short cruises. And you could do Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, right? You could do a lot of those different things. And those are more inland. They're not super close to Long Beach, but they're also not prohibitively far. So you could rent a car and do different drop-off locations for the car like you do all the time when you're driving, you know, when you're doing Florida cruises, you could do that. Um, You could also day trip it down to San Diego. If you wanted to, you could go north to Santa Barbara. Um, You could take a train from anywhere in that area. You could take the Pacific Surfliner, which is fantastic and takes you all the way from San Diego to Santa Barbara and is just a gorgeous coastal ride. So just so many things to do in California, but Long Beach is cool. Um, It's only 10 minutes away and there's so much to see down there. You've got the aquarium, you have great outlet shopping um, and just uh, a lot of fun restaurants and things like that too. Yeah. It's it's pretty easy to get around. I remember we stayed in uh, Disneyland or near Disneyland, I should say in Anaheim and uh, the drive, we did the drive over to the Queen Mary. And I think that was about granted that was like on a weekday. So there was, we weren't fighting rush hour by any means, but you know, it's about a half an hour drive or so not too bad at all. And uh, the Queen Mary is really cool. I went there. It's, it, I mean, they, they claim it's haunted. It just looks spooky because the whole area is kind of like it's like the Walking Dead uh, set up over there. And then there's a cruise ship just docked there. But it is history. It is uh, if you're a, mm-hmm. if you're a cruise ship buff, if you really like uh, the, that the aspect of like the history of cruises, I, I don't think there's any greater uh, place to visit that you can visit the Queen Mary or you can also stay there. Is, but obviously right now, with the, I believe it's, it's closed because of the pandemic, right? Yeah, it's closed because of the pandemic and they're also having financial problems. The company that owns them is having financial problems. So they, you know, technically they could be reopened by now, but they're not. Mm. So we're hoping that potentially um, the city will intervene in some way to try to save the hotel. But it's uh, it's not looking good for this year immediately. 
It's so fun. You're right. It's, it is dilapidated and old, but those ghost tours are actually really fun talking about the history of it. And you get to go into some pretty spooky areas of the, um, the Queen Mary and learn about the crossings and just how many people they crammed onto that ship during crossings is crazy. And where they were putting people on the ship, the history is just fantastic. And walking around in those upper decks, you feel like you're you feel like you're like, a, you know, an extra in the Titanic movie. It's so cool. <laughs> well, the other thing that's fantastic, of course, is what Sherry does uh, on her side of the fence over at CruiseTipsTV.com, her YouTube channel, which, by the way, the month of October, I usually cancel cable because I've got Vlogtober coming and I don't. <laughs> she provides all the entertainment I need. Why would I want to watch anything else? My wife even prefers Sherry's pr- content to mine because of her awesome setup over there. So check out uh, CruiseTipsTV on YouTube, CruiseTipsTV.com. And uh, you'll you'll find Sherry on there. Sherry, thanks so much for uh, joining me here. This is a really really good information, and I haven't booked it. I've, no one's booked anything yet, but if I have the opportunity, I'd love to be able to go out there and finally cruise the uh, the Mexican Riviera because I think uh, it's definitely on my bucket list, and um, it sounds like an amazing place to go on. Yeah, it sounds really cool. And maybe I'll see you guys on one of the first sailings. I do have one thing that I want to share with your audience, if it's okay with you before we go. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I think is so important for people to understand too about West Coast cruising is that if you're accustomed to cruising the Caribbean, it's really different. Um, You don't get that like gorgeous aqua blue water. And I think that for some people, if they're expecting that, they're disappointed in the experience. But if you can instead really research your ports and look for how this coast of Mexico is different, you'll enjoy it more. But going into it thinking you're going on a Caribbean cruise is not a good idea because both the weather and the scenery are really super different. Watch old like love boat reruns if you want (laughs) to see what it's really like, right? (laughs) <laughs> totally. That's I'm doing research, honey. I got I got to binge through season two before uh, Captain Steubing gets to the. I don't know whatever he does. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's different. It's different. It's not the same kind of blue. It's not the same kind of weather. It just you don't want to be disappointed. Instead, you want to sure. embrace all the culture and history that there is to embrace. Hey, I mean that's good advice for anywhere you visit on any cruise. I mean, just don't go into it like my parents do. They just show up like, hey, where are we going? Uh, you know, do some research. Look at what's there to do. Figure out what's good for you also. I mean, you can hear either of us tell you how amazing one place, some place is, but if you're not interested in doing what they what they have to offer, that's a bad choice for you. So figure out you know, what's good for you, what you'd like to check out, and an informed cruiser is always a better cruiser. So uh, Sherry, thanks again for that great tip, and I hope that everybody gets a chance to go over to the West Coast and enjoy some of these amazing cruises on an amazing ship, by the way, Navigator. Yeah, my pleasure. Can't wait to see everybody on board. It's going to be amazing. Okay, friends, time to answer some of your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I get to answer your emails that you've sent me, and you can send me your emails by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcommandblog.com. Our first email is from Keith Davis, who writes, Hi, Matt. I was catching up on a podcast with a few listener emails and thought perhaps with Royal Caribbean's recent announcement regarding the return of the West Coast, I could provide some insight. We did a Mexican Riviera back in 2009 when Mariner of the Seas was on the West Coast with stops in Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta. It was the only cruise in which we totally winged every port. The ship sailed Sunday to Sunday, and we flew to L.A. on Wednesday to stay two nights at Disneyland using our Disney Vacation Club points. We did Saturday at Disneyland, then took a car to the port in San Pedro on Sunday morning. It was probably one of the most fun cruises we've ever been on because of a larger group of friendly people on the Cruise Critic Roll thread. We had over 2,000 posts pre-cruise. So... 
Uh, awesome. Keith, thanks for the email. Appreciate that. And uh, I, I really hope I get a chance to get out there. You know, June is a busy month, and I think we're we're, we're trying to juggle. This is now the we're, I'm glad we're back to this problem again. But in 2022, I have a number of cruises I'm trying to juggle here. And so finding time. But, I, you know, listen, summer's a long time. I'm hoping to get out there myself because I've never done it before. I think it would be amazing. And, um, you know, uh, it's just something different, but not having to go, you know, across a, a vast ocean. Granted, a vast country. But you know what I mean? It's I'm excited for it. And, and I think a lot of people are. My hope with the West Coast Cruises is that people book it that they show there's demand i think there's always been demand for west coast cruises but i think a lot of times people are leery pricing of some of these you know what's being offered and there's always temptation to go eastbound in terms of you know cruises out of these are going to get bigger newer ships on the east coast and so um you know at the end of the day i just would hate to see after 10 years finally getting a ship on the west coast and then royal saying after one season okay that's it because there wasn't enough demand for it but we'll have to see what happens there you never know but here we go. Uh, next, we have an email. Our next email, I should say, is from uh, Brett in Arizona. Here's a podcast idea for you. Cruiser's Guide to Craft Beer. I might have far more experience on the subject than I'd want to admit. Number one, ports of calls. Number two, on the ships. Number three, before or after your cruise in or origination ports. Love the podcast and the YouTube channel. Brett, thanks for the email. Great idea. I mean, number two is actually really easy because on the ships, Royal Caribbean ships, there's like no craft beer. I mean, there is none. They used to have craft beer in the Michael's Genuine Pub on the Quantum Class, but Royal Caribbean cut ties with uh, Michael Schwartz as part of that uh, arrangement, and I believe their beer selection has gone back down a little bit. So, unfortunately, if you are a craft beer lover, which I am, I love craft beer. I just like, you know, to me, a lot of the mass-marketed beers are fine. It's just they all take kind of taste the same. It's just, you know, been there, done that. Whereas with craft beer, you really get kind of a, a mystery, if you will. Like, for me, I love going to the, you know, the liquor store, the supermarket, going to the craft beer section, and, you know, try to... See, it's, it's like a game of roulette. And what are you going to have? And will you love it? Will you hate it? Um, I, I think it's fun. So I absolutely love it. In terms of, um, let, let's talk quickly about beer, though. It's a good question. You know, it, uh, it, the embarkation ports, I think the best one, in my opinion, Tampa. If you're going out of Tampa, and to some extent Orlando or Port Canaveral, because you can get some of the Tampa beers over on that coast as well. Tampa's craft beer game is amazing. Cigar City and a variety of other brands create, uh, there, there's really a big craft beer industry in tampa it's one of the best out there i absolutely love it and uh, if you get a chance to get when in doubt if you love ipas i know that's very you know hit or miss to some people but hialai j-a-i-a-l-a-i something like that hialai um from cigar city is my go-to ipa it's in a lot of places here in florida now but that's a really good one also uh, funky buddha brewing which is down in south florida is a great one. Uh, my friend uh, Billy from CruiseAbbott.com absolutely loves Funky Buddha. In fact, Royal Caribbean does as well because uh, Funky Buddha is available in Perfect Day Coco Key. They actually made their own Royal Caribbean inspired slash branded beer that you can only get on the island there. So if you get a chance to visit, make sure you ask for the Funky Buddha uh, beverage there. So uh, you've got that. Uh, so Funky Buddha, Cigar City, really good. Uh, Ports of Call. You know, the one actually, Nassau, you know, for a long time, Nassau was really eh. But uh, Pirate Republic Brewing is fantastic. It's a bar. When you walk off the pier, you hang a right, and it's right along the water. There's a place called, it's among all the other bars and eateries over there. Uh, it's called uh, Pirate Republic. It is, it's it's just craft beer of a number of selections. They also have food and other things as well. But I absolutely love it. it it's become kind of almost, I don't want to say a cult classic, but it's become, a, among cruisers, it's a well-known spot because it's really close by. You can easily get in there, good prices. 
And if you, even if you're on the drink package, you know, people say, man, you ain't got the drink package on the ship. Why would you go pay money to drink beer on the island? And the answer is because it's something different. They really don't have these kind of beers. If you like good hoppy beers, if you like something completely different, it's a great place to go. Prices are reasonable. They're not cheap. They're not like you're not paying a dollar a beer, but you're, you know, you're paying basically American prices for beers, but it's still really good. They have a good vibe in there. Absolutely like it. Beyond that, boy, I'm trying to think of other places in the Caribbean in terms of, I mean, I really can't think of it. Usually each country has its own like, you know, national brand, but they always taste like Budweiser to me. <laughs> it's just the same old, same old. Um, and then, you know, obviously in New York, if you're going out of uh, Liber- uh, Cape Liberty in Bayonne, I mean, you'll have, by virtue of the fact you're in a massive market, you're going to get some options there. So, you know, always look for, you know, local brews wherever you go. But it's a it's a good idea, Brett. Um, there's a lot of different options that are there. Unfortunately, just on Royal Caribbean, not a whole lot of selection, unfortunately, which is which is too, too bad. So next, we have an email from uh, Dan Stover from Harriman, Utah. Hey, Matt, every time I hear a discussion about Canada's closure to cruises, people mention that it eliminates all possibilities for cruises to Alaska and New England. While I agree that Canada is the only option for a foreign port to stop on the West Coast, there is another possibility for New England. There's an island off the coast of Newfoundland called St. Pierre and Micolin. The island is not part of Canada. It's actually part of France. Even though Justin Trudeau closed off all of Canada, he can't close St. Pierre. There, That's a decision for France. There are only 6,000 people living there. So they have much more infrastructure. But even if the ship could drop anchor in the territorial waters there, they'd have a foreign stop. Then they could offer fall foliage cruises out of Boston and Maine with a stop in St. Pierre. Mostly I'm sending this email because I know that people from Royal Caribbean headquarters listen to you. Maybe I'll inspire someone to pull out a map and look up this relatively obscure place and plant the seeds. I really need a cruise. Dan, thanks for the email. I'm not sure I agree that I have quite that much influence, but I appreciate it, buddy. There's a couple things that stand out to me. And again, I am not a maritime law expert on this, but I believe number one, not only do you have to be able to visit the, you can't just get in the waters. You've got to actually stop there. There's as much about immigration as it is about anything else. Someone's got to get off the ship. That's the number one thing that I remember about the PVSA. Someone actually has to get off the ship. So if there's not a dock that can accommodate a Royal Caribbean ship, which is no easy feat, you then got to get into the tendering business. Um, uh, the other thing, of course, is that I believe Canada's ban also means that the ships can't even enter the waters. So, again, I'd have to pull out a map myself. I have no idea where this island is, but I'm wondering, do you have to go through Canada's waters to get to the island? If so, there goes that idea. Now, you might say, well, well France has an arrangement with Canada to provide like a highway, if you will, the water. Yeah, who knows? But um, I, I got to think someone's already noodled through that. It's a good suggestion because obviously I didn't even know about this place, quite frankly. That it was still a thing, but I thought the I thought the Seven Years' War uh, or the um, in the United States it was called the um, the Indian and uh, something wars. Anyway, I would have thought when when France ceded all their territory that would have gone with it, but maybe England was like, oh, you can keep that little island off the middle of nowhere. It'll never be useful unless I don't know somebody comes with you know these grand boats that can accommodate thousands of people. That'll never happen. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Next email is from. Uh, Terry, who writes, hey, Matt, I read an article that Harmony of the Seas is supposed to be amplified in early 2021, and that luckily got put on hold. If Royal Caribbean is currently booking for March 2023 on Harmony, it likely means that they're not going to be planning to take it out of service for that time period. We're looking to book March 5th sailing out of Port Canaveral. Do you know when it will be amplified? It's a good question. So, uh, first of all, Terry, thanks for the email. Second of all, um, Harmony, it was never scheduled for amplification. Um, every ship, every Royal Caribbean cruise ship, every five years must be refurbished. It's kind of like bringing your car in for an oil change. And there's a difference between a refurbishment or dry dock and an amplification. Amplification is when they take the ship and they add all sorts of awesome, you know, new features, which also, by the way, that the timing of when a ship goes in for an amplification always coincided with their 
five-year scheduled maintenance thing. It's as much about maintenance as it is also about inspections with the Coast Guard and a variety of other boring things about related to maritime law. But that's part of that. And actually, as we're recording this podcast, Harmony is on her way to Europe to go to Cadiz, Spain, where she'll undergo her five-year work. But the work, it, that work has to still happen. Royal Caribbean is not reneging on that because it would take the ship out of service, quite frankly, and they can't afford to do that. It costs them more money in the long run to do that than to just pay the money to, you know, it's, it's just like your car, right? You, it's, it's better for you to pay to have your oil change done regularly than to wait for, like, the light to come on and be like, oops, you need a new, you know, catalytic converter or whatever. Anyway, the, it's still getting done, but they're not going to be doing changes. So uh, I would not expect any changes on board, similar to how Royal Caribbean did that with Allure of the Seas and Explorer of the Seas and even more recently Anthem of the Seas. They all went in for work done, but they weren't upgraded or changed, just under the hood type stuff. So good email there. Thank you, Terry. And uh, we have time for one more email, and that is from Michael from Colorado. Hey, Matt, my wife has many years, I hope I'm saying this right, many years disease, and thus concerning that she'll feel nauseated throughout our Alaska cruise for June 2022. This will be our first cruise. My wife will try the uh, scope, oh man, I can't pronounce anything today, scopolamine patch, but it might make her very sleepy. Have you heard of cruisers having motion sickness? Is this a common problem with cruising? Michael, thanks for the email. Yeah, uh, definitely. I've had motion sickness on a cruise. I've gotten seasick, I don't know, two or three times. It's not a big deal. I mean, you just, I, I take uh, Bonine. That's an over-the-counter medication. It's a pill. It lasts for, I forget how many hours, I think 24, something like that. And you take it and it's just like that. The patch, which is that little patch you put behind your ear. If you've been on a cruise, you've seen it because inevitably you'll be standing behind somebody and you see this patch behind their ear. That's what it is. Basically, the patch rele t releases every so often the same basic drug. And yes, it does make you tired. Uh, drowsiness is the number one side effect. Uh, to me, I'd rather be tired and take a nap on a cruise than I would be being not uh, nauseous. So I think it's definitely the way to go. And if you know that obviously your wife is predisposed perhaps to getting seasick, then you definitely want to get the patch. Talk to your doctor. It's really easy to get a prescription for. And you put it on before your cruise begins and you keep it on the entire time until your cruise is over. Yeah, you're. she's going to be a little tired. She's going to want to take a nap during the day. <laughs> I think that's actually a good thing. Uh, because naps on cruises are amazing and I love it. But what I tell people in general is don't fear motion sickness. It doesn't happen to everybody. It's very rare. Ships are usually pretty stable. You know, it's really only when you've got bad weather or some other factor that can truly make it, you know, significant enough to induce motion sickness. But all people, you know, infer it or experience it differently. You'll see people who get motion sickness like and other people not. Um, when I got it on our last cruise, I got motion sickness, but you know, my wife and our friends did not at all. And they kind of were like, well, okay. And I said, listen, I need to go back to the room. I'm going to go grab the, the Bonine. We always travel with that. Popped one of those bad boys. And yeah, I took a nap a couple hours later, but hey man, I was feeling good. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I would tell you that if you're, if you're worried about it, especially first time cruisers, absolutely nothing wrong. When I first started cruising, I would always take Bonine. My parents still wear a patch behind their ears every time they cruise, even though I don't think they've ever gotten seasick, but you know, better safe than sorry in a lot of cases, and you can kind of experiment. Um, the nice thing about the Bonine is you can take it and then stop it, right? So you could, you know, let's say you have a, your, your cruise is seven nighters, and you've got a sea day, port day, you got a bunch of port days in the middle. You could stop in the port days because port days usually, if you're going from port to port to port consecutively without a sea day, usually there's not much motion because your ship is going from, there's not a lot of distance to traverse. So that might be an option as well for you. So, I hope this answered your question, but going back to your wife again, if she's predisposed, if you think that she's concerned, she'll be nauseated, get the patch, make it, it's just the easiest, safest thing to do. And then you can always experiment down the line. But for Alaska, I did Alaska. I didn't have any issues there with being seasick, but 
it's different for different people and it is not this scarlet letter if you take it it's not a letdown it's not like oh my i can't believe that guy did. no no totally fine nobody else cares what you do or don't do so you do you you make sure that you're comfortable your wife is comfortable that is the most important thing and on that note we're going to end this week's episode of the royal Caribbean blog podcast I hope you enjoyed it uh, if you have an email that I can answer for you about cruising or just want to share your thoughts about something, be sure to send it in by emailing it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt from RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, and we'll talk again real soon.